Well, good morning. You guys look fantastic today. Thank you so much for being here. How many of you were disappointed when you had to go grab a jacket this morning? Anybody? Yeah. And um, just ne- never know. So um, thank you so much. Uh, we are in a very quick series called Sunday Best. And so last week we talked about personal evangelism. And um, this week I'm going to um, take a, a back door to that and uh, really challenge us. And so if you leave today... And um, I've got you thinking. Then I've then I've succeeded in my goal this morning. So I just want you to to get thinking about some of the things about where you are with with Christ and um, what what you feel like He has uh, for you and what He's purposed for us. So I want to do that this morning. Next Sunday is Easter, and so I want you to be inviting people all week long. Of course, this is. Um, the Super Bowl for church uh, around around the U.S. And so uh, churches everywhere are going to be packed out next weekend. And we certainly uh, just want to give an opportunity um, for people to turn their, their life around, to get on this, on this journey with us. And so please uh, invite people this week. We're giving you three opportunities, uh, 8, 9.30, and 11. And um, I had to look there to make sure I had the times right because all I know is I get here and we just do three. So I don't, I don't know what time they are. I just go where people tell, tell me to go. But 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m., and uh, so please, uh, again, make sure that you're inviting people to come, family, friends, coworkers, et cetera, to just join us next weekend as we celebrate Jesus. So I want to kick off today with some word association. And so uh, what I want to do is I'm going to give you a word, and I want you to either give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Okay, and don't don't be ashamed. I want you to hold it up really high. Okay, give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Okay, I know you do this all the time on Facebook, so we're 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 gonna do it live. Okay, this is the real world where people actually are gonna see you. Okay, so thumbs up or thumb thumbs down. Okay, the first word is this: carbs. Carbs. Okay, fifty fifty. <laughs> okay, the second one is this: marriage. <laughs> There's a few thumbs down. <laughs> Reengage meets here every Monday. Okay. And third is this uh, Kardashian. <laughs> okay. What about this word? And you you don't have to you don't have have to do your thumb on this. But what about the word Christian? What comes to your mind uh, when you hear the word Christian? Because some of you, it, it may be a really good thought, and for some of you, it may be a, a, a not-so-good thought uh, when we hear this term, Christian. And uh, I, I want to play around with this for just a, a moment, but if someone walked up to you on the street, uh, a complete stranger, and they said, excuse me, are you a Christian? The responses um, that we would give would all be different because some of you are going to go, yes, yes, I am, and you would start the conversation. Some of you would may, maybe say no. Um, some of you would say yes, but, and you would go into a, a story about that. Some of you would say yes, but I'm not like that. Or some of you would go, what do you mean when you ask me if I'm a, a, a Christian? Because to you, it's maybe just like this undefined 
thing in your life. So this word, we've given it a lot of weight. We um, have have built a lot of things around this particular word. And so um, I, this is what I want to spend my time on is kind of tackling uh, this language and then ending with where we really should be um, as it relates to, to that. I want you to think of our collective experiences of salvation over the past hundred years. I want you to think maybe maybe about stories that that your grandparents told or that they passed down to you about their grandparents and and their experiences with, with church or coming to Christ, and I want you to think about what that looked like. And I've written down some of these um, this week as as I just thought them out and I studied and I looked at at how people said, this is how I came to Christ, but I, I, I want you to do some of that, that thinking as well. But coming to Christ looked differently for a lot of different people groups. And so we come to Christ when we said a prayer, or some of you repeated a prayer. Somebody stood and said, Jesus and you said, Jesus, I, said, I want to ask you today, and I want to ask you today to forgive me of my sin, to forgive me of my sin. And you said a, a prayer. And then we even deemed it as a sinner's prayer. It was specific about things like, forgive me of my sin. This, this was our prayer growing up. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. Write my name down in the Lamb's book of life. Okay, anybody? Anybody ever pray that? Okay, me and you. That's great. Me and you, Tiffany. Okay, so we said this this prayer. It was a sinner's prayer. Some of you said, "I was I was saved. I came to Christ when I was baptized," and so I prayed and did some things. But then I got water baptized, and then it it, it was for real. Some of you it was when you had to talk to someone in spiritual authority. People say, "Well, I, I've I've got to go through this." this class or this rite of passage, and I've got to talk to a pastor or a leader, and and that's when salvation comes, right? For some, you you came forward. People called you forward, and they said, if you want to make a decision to follow Christ, then I want you to get up, and I want you to come to the front, and you felt like in that moment, from your seat to the front, something happened for you. Some of you kneeled at an altar, uh, just a a small, a small bench around the front, and you knelt down, and there were boxes of Kleenex on each end, and people gathered around you, and they may have said, do you want to give your heart to Christ today? And they kind of walked you through the Romans road, and, and you got up, and you were like, my life has changed. For some, um, you were raised in Pentecostal churches, and you weren't saved until you were baptized in the Spirit. And so praying a prayer uh, meant nothing. Talking to somebody, kneeling, uh, walking forward, uh, all of those things that I just mentioned meant nothing until you manifested a gift of the Holy Spirit. Becoming a Christian has been referred to as getting saved or giving your heart to God or being born again or being converted. And some of us, sadly, in this place, were taught that our brand of church was the true brand of church. And so salvation only occurs under that particular brand. And so the whole goal 
of, of your Christianity was to get people under your brand. And I've told you this many, many times, but one of my favorite things about being in, a, in an interdenominational church like this one is that at some point when you attend here, you kind of let go of the signage. You, you let go of, of going, this is how church has to look for us to come together and worship Christ collectively. And it's a very beautiful thing for me because I spent a lot of years uh, building a wall and saying, if, if you really want to know what's right, then come behind the wall and live in this particular brand. And I'm not the only person in, in the room who's thought this way. For some, you were taught a Calvinist approach where God unconditionally chose you. It was like you were drowning, and God in his sovereignty and unconditional love reached down and grabbed a hold of you and pulled you out of your drowning state. Others of you were from an Ar Arminian background and where God chose you, but you chose him back. So to use that same imagery, you were drowning. God in his, in his unconditional love reached down and grabbed you, but you, before you passed out from drowning, had just enough strength to grab his hand with your own, and you chose him back. And so you're going back and forth, and some people are saying, well, I've been chosen, and some people are over, over here in, in this camp going, well, I chose him back. And then you've got other people going, well, this is the, the a true brand, and I prayed, and I prayed after so-and-so, and I walked forward, and I knelt with some man, I got baptized, and I did all these things. And, and people are confused as to what it even means to be a Christian. And I think this hinders us from really talking to people and, and, and reaching out and having some personal evangelism because somewhere in our minds, maybe you don't even have your mind wrapped, wrapped around it, around this story. And I think this is why, because as children, we're taught Bible stories, but as adults, we figure out the story of the Bible. And those two are different. His children were talking, you know, come around. Little David, and he went down the creek, and he got his five rocks, and he put one in, and he slung it around, and he knocked that giant out. Now, let's pray, you know. As adults, we start reading things like, eat my flesh, drink my, my blood, and everybody walked off except the Twilight people, and they were cheering. <laughs> right? We read things like the last are going to be first, and the first are going to be last, and we're like, now wait a minute. This isn't what I heard at all growing up. And you reach adulthood, and you're kind of confused, and maybe you're here this morning, and, and with all sincerity, you come to church because maybe, maybe your friends are here, or you like the community, or you like music, or you just like an atmosphere of being in church, but as far as a heart issue Maybe you would really say, I, I was a Christian, but now I'm, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what I, I really am. And that sets heavy on you. And maybe you, were, you grew up in a home where your parents were Christians, but now that you're an adult, you, you say, you know, Christianity doesn't really fit where I'm at. And so this means that all your thoughts on Christianity are, for the most part, connected to your childhood. Meaning you went to church camp, you went to a Christian school, you went to a Christian concert. 
And so when you think about Christianity, you, you think of a Christian experience. You think about going somewhere where you cried or where you were moved or where you left feeling inspired. And to you, that's what Christianity is. Some think that being a Christian was easier when you were a child, but now that you're an adult, you have critical thinking skills, and it's become increasingly difficult for you to take what you believe Scripture is saying and apply it to your adult life. You go, man, this is so challenging. Let me explain why some of you feel this way, and I'm going to go really fast on this, but I want to show you several passages of Scripture and, and tell you that, I mean, of course, all of this is in, in the Bible, and we go, what are we supposed to do with all that? In Luke chapter 23, the man hanging on the cross next to, next to Jesus says, Remember me when you come into your kingdom, and Jesus tells him, This day you'll be with me in paradise. Okay, So this guy's salvation experience was, remember me. But in John 3, Jesus tells a man named Nicodemus that if he wants to see the kingdom of God, he must be born again. And in Luke 20, Jesus is asked about the afterlife, and his answer refers to those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come. So is salvation found on a cross next to Jesus, being born again, or considered worthy? In Matthew 6, Jesus is teaching, and he says that if they forgive others, God will forgive them. If they don't forgive others, then God will not forgive them. In Matthew 7, he explains, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but only those who do the will of my Father. Well, then in Matthew 10, he teaches those who stand firm till the end will be saved. So is salvation found when we forgive others, when we do the will of God, or when we stand firm? In Luke chapter 19, a man named Zacchaeus tells Jesus, I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. And Jesus says, salvation has surely come to your house. In Mark 2, Jesus is teaching in a home, and some men cut a hole in the roof, lowered down their sick friend, and when Jesus sees their faith, he says to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. So is salvation found in what I'm going to do or in the faith that my friends have? In 1 Corinthians 7, he says, how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? How do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? And then Paul goes on in 1 Timothy and says that women will be saved through childbearing. So is salvation found in who I'm married to or whether I give birth to children? Finally, in Acts 22, Saul is traveling to Damascus to persecute Christians. He hears a voice ask him, Saul, why do you persecute me? He responds, who are you, Lord? The voice then replies, I am Jesus of Nazareth who you are persecuting. Get up, go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that you have been assigned. That is Saul's conversion experience. There is no shaking of hands. There was no baptism. There was no praying after somebody. That was his conversion. Paul is asked a question. Paul asks a question in response to the question. 
He's then told to get up and go into a city. So to sum all of these up, is salvation found in what you say, in who you are, in who you forgive, in what you're going to do, in who your friends are, in who you're married to, whether you give birth to children? Is it what questions you're asked? Is it what questions you ask in return to the question? Or is it whether you do what you're told and get up and go into a city? And so we look at these things and we go, this is why we're all separated. This is why there's so much distinction. And all these things that I've just mentioned, all of these declarations in Scripture have unintentionally, by our own doing, have made us think that being a Christian is about two categories. How I believe or how I behave. And so you got really big camps. You got really big camps of people going, well, I believe this and I believe and I believe and I believe and my, my belief is enough. And then you got these people who are, who are doers and they're over here going, oh, no, 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 no. You got you to gotta behave. You got to act a certain way. You got to do a certain thing. There's a list of do's and you got to do them. We're preaching do's and we're preaching beliefs and we're like, listen, you got to believe a certain way. And then other camps, you got you to do certain things. And when those two camps get together, it seems like there's not much Christianity going on. You know, Gandhi made a powerful quote one time. He said, I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians because they don't look like your Christ. And a lot of ways he had it right. With a lot of people who say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but they don't look anything like what you and I think are Jesus followers. What if we condense Christianity to stuff, to things? I want you to think about this. Are we Christians when we go out and maybe you go to Leslie's and you buy a cross and stick it on your chain? Wear this cross around. Are we Christians when you give in the offering? Does that make you a Christian? Are you a Christian when you have worship music on your phone? If so, what does it mean when you don't have worship music on your phone? Are you a Christian when you have a tattoo in Hebrew? Well, what if, what if you have one in Greek? What if you have an ichthus? And it's upside down. What does that mean? What happens? What, 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 what if you're a Christian when you get a Hebrew tattoo and some of you are scared of needles? What do you do then? You're not a Christian. Are we Christian when we have a steeple? That was the number one question when we were in, in the building process. Hey, we, are, we, we, we're going to have a steeple, right? We're going to have a steeple. Hey, Kevin, where's steeple? Hey, steeple. People wanted a steeple. I don't know why. They did. Symbolism connected to it. The story was connected to, to something. I've told you this be, before, but opening Sunday, we had uh, some individuals come, and they got on Facebook and slammed me and slammed our church because we didn't have altars. To them, that was Christianity. You had to have an altar. Other people have said this is not, is not a church because they don't have pews. Suddenly, everything about Christianity became about what the church should look like 
and it was from church from 100, 200, 300 years ago where church was stained glass and ornate furniture and, and pews and altars and all that's great. I can, I can worship in that place just like I can worship in one of your living rooms. And so it, it wasn't about those things, but some people make it those things. That's what Christianity is. It's going and attending a church that looks like a church. And so the reason that there are Christians on every side of every issue in the Bible, and the reason that there are so many denominations, and the reason there are so many factions of doctrine is because Christianity was never really clearly defined. And that that may bother some of you, and you go, no, wait, wait just a minute. But it's very true. Jesus did not spend his time saying, this is what a Christian is. Now do that. He did spend a lot of time building relationship. He spent a lot of time forgiving and loving and bringing people into the journey. A lot of time. He spent a lot of time with his feet up on people's ottomans, coffee tables. Spent a lot of time eating with people. I'm going to your house today, Zach- Zacchaeus. He spent a lot of time saying, hey, I'm coming over. Let's just talk. Getting involved in people's lives. Was he an incredible pulpiteer? Absolutely. Incredible communicator. But he spent a lot of time just talking with people, just just meeting them right where they are. And when he walked in, he didn't have a list. And when he walked in, he didn't have a thing that, that said, now listen, if you're going to apply to plant the church in Rome, it's got to have these things in it. Okay? So it's got to have this piece of furniture and this piece of furniture and this piece of furniture. And the Old Testament tabernacle was exactly that, that, that way. But I'm telling you that when Jesus came, it changed everything. He said, there's a new way. There's a new system. And I am the way. And I am the truth. And I am the life. I am the door. I'm the only way to get to God. So he welcomed people to him Without a wall. It, it wasn't one of these things like, hey, if you will go and get your life cleaned up and get it together and start thinking right and acting right, doing right, behaving, believing, if you will get all that, that together, this is where me and my folks are hanging out. And once you feel like you're there, come over and we'll give you an assessment. It wasn't like that. Come. Follow me. Come on. Come and follow me. Be with me. Hang out with me. Get to know me. This is what it, it was. We spend way too much time trying to figure out what Christian, what, what a Christian looks like rather than trying to figure out who Jesus is. So rather than trying to do all the right stuff and trying to believe all the right ways, what if we just stop for just a minute? And came back to go, what what is the story of Jesus? And what is he trying to tell me through that that story? Not I've got to honor a sign. I've got to honor a certain belief. Not, you know, I've got to be saved a certain way. What, what, what if I just 
came down to not trying to say, what is Christianity, but saying, who is Jesus? Are you all with me? The term Christian is only in the Bible three times. In fact, it was really a derogatory term. Look at those Christians. It was used by outsiders to describe the Jesus community. But the Jesus community, listen, never referred to themselves as Christians. Okay, now I'm not trying to shake you up on that. But Acts 11 verse 26 tells us the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. They never referred to themselves as Christians. Now hang on because I'm, I'm going somewhere, okay? Don't get up and leave. There is a word that is used a lot to describe people who are following Jesus, and it's this word, disciple. Disciple. They aren't using the word Christians, but they are using the word disciple. And this is where I want to spend the rest of my time this morning. This word disciple is a strong word. And the reason it is a strong word is because it is very well defined. See, we can do a lot with, with the word Christian. We can hide behind it. We can study it. We can argue over it. We can go to war over it. And people have. When you study out the history of Christianity, it's not all beautiful. It's not all Christ-like. Christians not being like Christ? How bizarre. The definition of disciple is this. A learner, an apprentice, a pupil, and my, my favorite part, a follower. A follower. A follower. People who said, I am going to follow Jesus. It's not in the prayer. It's not in the shaking of someone's hand. It's not in a class or a rite of passage. I'm going to tell you today that the most important thing that we can do is follow. To be a follower. And there are a lot of people who call themselves Christians, who want to look like Christians, who will spend the rest of their lives, sadly, talking about pews and stained glass, but they're not following. They say one thing with their mouth, but their life is doing something completely different. You know that text I spoke earlier that was kind of funny about when he says, hey, eat my flesh and drink my blood. This was a key time, okay, because Jesus was popular. It was popular to be following him. So the massive gatherings in Jesus is like, you know what? It's time to separate who's for real and who's here for a bunch of pomp and circumstance. And he said, if you are going to be with me, then you are going to have to eat my flesh and drink my, my blood. And even the, the disciples, the apostles were like, whoa, wait a minute. And Jesus even looks at them and says, are you going to go too? Because people were walking off. And the Bible says they stopped following. They left. 
never came back. They had a T-shirt. They had a concert ticket, right? They had something that said, I've been there. They had a little New Life logo on the back of their car. I've been there. I've seen some of you in traffic with your New Life Church thing on the back. I'm going to tell you, you might want to consider pulling that off for a season. <laughs> Just for a little while. But they, they left, and, and finally, Peter stands up and says, well, who, where, where are we going to go? Who else? Who else is going to take care of us and love us the way you do? I'm not going anywhere. You know what he was doing? Following. Following. And man, when we decide that we're going to let go of all this frivolous stuff and just follow, do you know how much life comes back to us? And I've told you this before, and please do not take, take offense to this. It's going to be hard when I say this if you don't know me well this morning, but I don't really care about how you prayed. And I don't care if you believe that when you went under the water is when you got saved. What I care more about is today, right now, are you following Jesus? Are you following? Are you trying to be a Christian or are you a disciple? Teach me. Show me. I want to know. I want to follow. I'm with you. The good, the bad, the ugly, the, the confusing times, the bad times, the time when I'm sick and wish you would have healed me. The times that I've stood over gravesides, I, I'm, I'm still going to follow you then. When the diagnosis comes in and it's awful, I'm still going to follow you. See, right there is where those that want to be Christians, make a choice to step away. That's where the whole I was a Christian comes in. But those who follow, man, it's firm. God, I'm going to follow. I want to be a follower. I want to be a disciple. Acts 6 and 7 says, So the word of God spread, and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. What does that mean? It means people who were learning and being pupils and following was increasing rapidly. Acts chapter 9, verse 26, when he, Paul, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. Acts 9, 36, in Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha, and she was always doing good and helping the poor. Now, I've said a lot already. I've said all this to bring us to one big question. Are we disciples? Or are we just trying to figure out what Christianity looks like? Because to me, there's a difference. Because if I'm a follower, I'm going to follow you whether it all makes sense up here or not. If I'm going to follow you, I'm going to follow you no matter where I'm at. That means on Sunday I follow you, and on Monday I'm still following I'm not clocking in at church on Sunday morning. I'm here my time clock. I'm here, Lord. No. I'm following. There is no time clock. I'm following. It's my lifestyle. I'm following Monday when I show up at work. 
I'm following Friday night at Life Group. I'm following Sunday at church. I'm following Wednesday night when I when I when I I, I decide to pray. Why? Because I'm a disciple. I don't want to spend my time just trying to figure out what it looks like to be a Christian. And this question takes us to a passage of Scripture where things are intense. Okay, and I'm going to wrap this up really quick, but I want you to stay with me. I've said everything I've said this morning to get us to this one text. Jesus is at the end of his ministry. Judas has already left to betray him. They do not have much time until he is arrested and crucified. Jesus, knowing this, rallies them together, and he's going to make some last statements to them while he still is in a physical body. And in my mind, this is priority. You know? I mean, if you have one last sentence to say to your family, aren't you going to choose that very well? And so in John 13, this is where, where we find him, 33 through 35, and he says this, My children, I will be with you only a little bit longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the, the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. And he tells them something fantastic in verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another. Love one another. Everybody say that, that, that with me. Love one another. Come on, one, 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 one more time. Love one another. As I have loved you, wow, the bar is really high. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Watch this, verse 35. By this, everyone will know that you are what? Yeah, because we love each other. Not because we're buying the right furniture, not because we have lights or don't, don't, don't have lights, because we have music or don't have music, because we went to that particular conference or we didn't, because we, this is how we order church or that's how we order church, or because you gave or you didn't, or because your tattoo is in Hebrew or Greek. It, 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 it doesn't. He said, listen, when you love each other, people are going to know you belong to me. They're going to know that, that you're following me. You see the difference I'm trying to make this morning? There's a big difference between us following and us trying to figure out what it looks like to be a Christian. This is a funny part of this story. It sticks out to me. After Jesus blows them away, keep in mind, he says, My children, I will be with you only a little bit longer. You will look for me, but where I am going, you cannot come. And then he drops this thing on. you got to love people by this. They're, they're, they're going to know. And Peter kind of raises his hand. And Jesus says, Peter, and Peter says, Hey, where, where are you going? That's what Peter walks away with. Hey, where are you going? <laughs> you know, Jesus is like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Peter, come here a second. <laughs> I believe Peter says this because he's excited. And he's saying, Lord, I want to die for you. I want to know you. I want to continue knowing you and keep on doing what we've been doing. To which Jesus, I believe, is saying, Peter, I've asked you to do some difficult things over the past three years. But what I'm about to do is ask you to do something greater than all of those. I'm going to ask you to love each other. And by that, people are going to know that you are mine. You want to know why we pray for other churches in town and honor them? Because if they're loving each other, 
They're on the same journey we're on. This is what denominations I don't, I, don't, I don't even care about. I used to, but I don't. Why? Because if they're loving each other, they're on the right journey. So here it is for our, our church, and I'm going to land this right, right now. Will you love people when you realize that they're not like you? See, if we have three services next week, and we don't pack those things out by standing room only, you know who that's on? Us. Us. It's not on our worship team. It's not on me. It's on us collectively, me included in that, not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a follower. Will you love your coworker when they're ahead of you for promotion? Will you love a person who offended you when they said something really stupid? When they spoke before they thought, will you still love them then? Will you love each other when it's not easy? Because I'm going to tell you this, this is more important to Jesus than us having all the answers. It's more important to him than signage and pews or altars or a rite of passage. Following him is the biggest thing. Disciples are following Jesus and are inviting others to join them. Not join them in perfection, but join them on the, uh, on the adventure of discovering more about Jesus. I want to be a part. I want to be a part of a church of fully devoted followers of Jesus. And I hope that we can love each other more than we love being right or even getting it right. Amen? I want you to stand with me today, and I'm going to say a quick prayer over this, and then we're going to take communion, so I want you to stay standing.